Right, good morning. Uh, before we begin, I want to just recognize a couple people. Um, we had graduation this past weekend for a lot of our high schools in the area, and Manny's here, right there, Miss Strives. Hi, let's all clap for Manny. <laughs> just graduated from Mel High. Uh, Ezekiel Finlayson and uh, Heather Crothers both graduated. They're not here, they're traveling today, uh, but we also want to, you know, obviously congratulate them when you see them. And uh, we will be recognizing our seniors as a church on June 27th, so please make sure you mark your calendars for that. Uh, get, I'm, I always look forward to looking at those baby pictures and uh, those kind of embarrassing photos. I also want to recognize Amanda, Manny, Manny's sister. She just recently graduated from UCF. She's here today. Wave to us, Amanda. She's uh, doing some serious work uh, helping people who are sick, and I, I could never do that job. A lot of us probably could say the same, so... Thank you, Amanda, for your heart of service and just your hard work as well. Uh, so today we are continuing our series in Philippians. One more thing I forgot to say before I get to this. Um, Michelle has been working very hard at getting us a more, um, how would you say, interactive uh, time during worship. Uh, if you were able to scan when you walked in the QR reader, it actually takes you directly to the Uversion app. Uh, where you can follow along with today's uh, sermon through the scriptures that we have selected. And if you didn't get a chance to scan that QR code, you can look in the Uversion app that most of us have on our phone under the events tab and just type in Melbourne and you'll find our church. So it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, we'll have different things sometimes that you can interact with and maybe make notes on if you like to use your phone Bibles. Uh, but that is up to you. But I just love the work that she's putting in and it looks really great. So give that a look if you have an opportunity to. So today we are going to continue our study of Philippians, focusing on this idea of partnership in the gospel. And before we begin, I want to look at this awesome picture. This was before things got crazy, okay? This is uh, the youth group at Winterfest. If you've never been to Winterfest, it's a huge youth rally in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is about 12 hours or so-ish away. It's not a fun drive to make. Okay, uh, but as you can see here, we got smiling. Look at that. I have a laser pointer on here, so I'm going to use it. Look at this smiling face right here. This is all fake. That's because not because I didn't have a great time, but because I knew what was about to happen. I was about to have to drive back home. And it's not fun uh, to drive that far. Um, but the fun thing about journeys, and we're kind of, I want you to think about journeys this morning is that the drive, to, excuse me, the drive towards Gatlinburg, the drive to Winterfest, is awesome. You know, you get to drive through the mountains. A lot of us Florida people were seeing snow on top of the mountains. It was while everyone was getting out of their seats, taking pictures as we're going up the mountain. And it's beautiful. And it's, not only are you excited to see the mountains, but you're excited to go to Winterfest, to, to be a part of the singing, to be a part of the worship time, to get to walk around and do all the fun stuff you do at Winterfest. The way to Winterfest is awesome. The way home is not, okay? Natasha joined me here. Uh, she was my uh, co-pilot. She didn't drive, but she was back there keeping me awake. And uh, it was one of those journeys where I had Google Maps open, and the time never went down. <laughs> like, we were in South Carolina forever because of traffic, and... It, it kept saying six hours, and I was saying, well, I've been driving for two hours, and two hours ago it said six hours. It was infuriating, and it was one of those journeys where I was, it was just daunting. 
But it's just funny. I, I like this picture because, you know, you have kind of this idea of a journey that is exciting to go towards, and you're happy to do it, and you're, you're happy to be at Winterfest, but there's also this other side of this journey where it's kind of daunting and hard to kind of wrap your brain around how you're going to complete it, and that's typically how journeys go. That's typically how stories take place, where you have a long journey. There is some excitement, but there's also some daunting, not so exciting things that take place on that journey. So I think this kind of sums it up. I, in my head, think I got to keep driving. There was, there was rain, there was traffic, there was everything, but we still had a great time, and I loved <clears throat> the time we spent together. A lot of seniors from last year on that trip missed those, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, missed those teens there. But I want you to have that mindset of a journey this morning. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, and we're talking about partnership in the gospel. And I want to kind of say this idea of a journey is no different when it comes to partnering together in the gospel. We cannot see this this thing we're chasing after as a one-and-done sort of deal. This is a journey we're all taking place, and there's always going to be times of excitement, and there's going to be times that are daunting that you don't want to go towards. And this morning, I want to say we are partnering in the gospel. We're chasing after partnership in the gospel, but we are not there yet. We are not there yet. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul shows us his journey as an example. And I'm going to read here again. Follow along with me, if you will, in in Philippians chapter 3. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised in the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul gives us his journey, and it is defined by dedication. He has obviously been pursuing something, this journey of his life. And I think that you can underline and say his journey has been about dedication to his calling. And sometimes when I read these things, it's hard for me to conceptualize, okay? It's hard for me to realize, what does he really mean by Hebrew of Hebrews? You know, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. So I kind of put it in my own context here. If you're a Church of Christ person and you, were, you know, went to church, I, I made it something a little bit for us, Okay. This is the COC, Paul's righteousness comparison. If anyone believes they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Born and baby blessed in the church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, I attended. Bible Bowl, first place. Mr. CFBC, back-to-back winner. I actually never won Mr. CFBC. I never won. I think it's a dumb award anyway. That's That's what everyone says, right? CFBC, back-to-back winner, youth-led worship song leader and speaker, sultan of VBS silly songs, as for righteousness based on the church of Christ, flawless. That's kind of our context here for what Paul's talking about. This dedication to the church body, this dedication towards something greater than yourself. But the funny thing about what Paul does when he gives us the story of his journey, all his credentials, he doesn't say it to like puff his chest out and say, look at me, look at how great I am. He actually does the exact opposite. He continues by saying, but whatever were gains, those things that I listed, those credentials, my resume that is staggering to look at, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Everything that I said before, all of that is garbage. And if you're like me, I, I, growing up reading the Bible, I would hear Paul say these kind of things, and I'd kind of just be like, okay, Paul, that's great. You know, that's a great thing for you to say, but what does that really mean? Because if you really think about what Paul was saying, they're not bad things. Are they really garbage? Right? Are all these things actually garbage? Is it a bad thing for him to be a devout follower of God from the day he was born? No. Is it a bad thing for us to be these type of people who are here when the doors are open every single time they are, going to camp, participating in the church? Are those bad things? Are they garbage? No. So what is Paul getting at? Because all these things really seem pretty good to me, okay? Obviously, when you, when you lift them up higher than they ought to be, that's when the problem starts happening. But these things aren't bad in and of themselves, and I think we need to recognize that, okay? But I think what Paul is trying to get us to do is to remember what he was saying in chapter 2 about Jesus. And Calvin preached last week on this chapter. But in chapter 2, Paul uses the life of Christ to communicate something very significant to people, right? And we're going to read exactly what he said. Oops, wrong way. About Jesus. Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Paul uses this example of Jesus to not express the deeds that Jesus did, not to express his life really. The key that, excuse me, the key that Paul is trying to point out is that Jesus truly and deeply loved you more than anybody else in this world could fathom and, and do. He expresses his love to a degree that is not even compatible for people to actually do on earth, but Jesus did that. So Paul wants us to be thinking of this image of Jesus while he's talking about his credentials of a Hebrew of Hebrew, a zealous follower of God. Because he wants to compare his righteousness, Paul's righteousness, to the love of Christ. And when you compare those two things, guess what happens? It looks silly. You with me? When we compare our deeds, when we compare the fact that we're here every single time the doors are open, we compare the fact that we've been to CFBC every single year since we were five years old, none of that stuff compares to the love of Christ that he gave us by emptying himself. And Paul wants us to see the, the mighty, the wide gulf between the self-righteousness of man and the true love of Christ. And put that in the people's minds, because those are not bad things, Right? Going to church is not a bad thing. Participating in what's going on in the church is not bad. But when you compare your righteousness to the love of God, there is a huge gulf, and we need to recognize that. We are not there yet. Your righteousness cannot make it 
on its own. The truth is, though, is that this huge gulf that I'm talking about is what makes the journey that we're on exciting. Because it makes it exciting, but sometimes it also makes it a little bit daunting. Because when you approach the throne of Christ, when you approach like communion and stuff like that, where we look at what Jesus did and we say, thank you for your mercy, there's some Sundays where I'm just like, yes, that's awesome. But there's some Sundays where it's, what am I even doing? You with me? Because nothing that I could do could compare to the sacrifice that Jesus gave me. And so this journey that we're on, there's this constant battle of being excited for the journey, but also being kind of depressed by the journey. Luckily, we were never made, excuse me, we were never meant to make this journey by ourselves. We were never meant to live in isolation and look at the love of Christ and look at the self-sacrifice of Christ and just be by ourselves. Not only do we have Christ as our companion, not only do we have the Holy Spirit as our companion, but everybody in this room, we are all companions on this journey together. You with me here? Continually recognizing that we are together. We need to partner in the gospel together or else we will die. So I kind of come to this question a lot. This is great. We recognize the love of Christ in comparison to our own righteousness. There's a huge gulf between us. We recognize we're on a journey that's both exciting and daunting. But what do we even do about it? The first thing I think is that we need to recognize, realize that we aren't there yet. And I've said that a couple times. But recognize that we just aren't there yet. Because there's no such thing as a perfect person or a perfect church, right? I've heard it said, you know, church would be awesome if none of the people showed up, right? That's a joke. I like you guys, okay? Church would be awesome if we didn't have people bickering, we didn't have people fighting, we didn't have people upset all the time. But guess what? That's what happens when you get together with people. We don't see eye to eye all the time. But there are no perfect people and there are no perfect churches, But despite of all that, the church is continuing to live on, not because of guys like me or or women or men like you, but because of Christ's love, the emptying of himself and giving his life for the church. That is the reason why the church is still here. We aren't there yet. I could go so many different ways in saying we're not there yet. There's so many places we're not there yet. But I'll I'll leave you to kind of wander in your mind of where we're not there yet. But I think we need to recognize and adopt this mentality because when we recognize that we aren't there yet, that's when we identify with the humility that Christ showed us. Right? That's when we identify the fact that we don't have it all figured out just yet. We need to keep searching. If you stop asking questions, you stop growing, and the church will never continue to learn and grow through whatever community that you're in in, in currently, you have to continue to ask questions and recognize you don't have it figured out yet. So realize that we, capital W-E, all of us, aren't there yet. Number two, we need to reciprocate the love of Christ, Jesus' love, into the world. I took this from the message. I love how this is kind of represented here. This is from Philippians 3, verse 12. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. 
I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. We see the example of Christ. There are no perfect people, there are no perfect churches, but if we intentionally seek to reciprocate that type of love into the world, good things are going to happen. Right? It's like when you're cooking a steak, when you're cooking any kind of piece of meat, you got to put more salt on that. <laughs> right? You don't want under-seasoned food. Put more of those good ingredients, put more of those good things into the world, and good things are going to happen in turn. Are you with me? It's, I, I say this like, because sometimes it can seem kind of meaningless. For instance, I'm going to give you an example for myself. Sometimes I feel like the things that I do are kind of meaningless. You know, if you look at it, it's like, oh, you texted this person, or you had lunch with this person, or you had this event that only a couple of people showed up to, and sometimes I can get down on myself. But if I am actively trying to put good into the world, I think I'm doing exactly what Christ is calling us to do. And that's all you can do. Because we aren't there yet. But if we continue to reciprocate the love of Christ into the world, I think we get closer and closer as the days continue. Put this energy out into the world. And number three, allow your past to shape you, not define who you are. And this is hard for church, especially if you grew up in the church. I, I, I technically grew up in the church. Um, I was brought there on Sunday mornings. My grandparents were very devoted. My mother would bring me to church. And it was one of those things where we went to church because my grandparents went to church. And then later on, you know, as life unfolded, my, my mom became more devoted. My sister and I became more devoted. And, and thankfully, that it, it, you know, we, we continue to follow but sometimes I think a lot of us live in that place in our minds where it's like, okay, grandpa and grandma, they said that I should do this, so I'm just going to do what they say. And then we have full-grown adults who still think that way. We have full-grown adults who have the same faith or the same tradition or the same reasoning they had when they were six, seven, eight-year-olds in the pew sitting next to grandma and grandpa. And they just still come to church because that's what they think they're supposed to do. If we allow our past to shape us, we can learn from those important individuals and grow towards Christ. But if we stay in that area, there's not going to be any growth happening within us or within the church. We need to continue to learn from our past and to see where Christ is leading us, not stay there. It's one of those things where I was just thinking about before I got up here about when when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples, and he's, he's talking about how great it's going to be, and the disciples are like, what do you mean? You can't leave us. Because in their mind, Jesus was the perfect you know, person to be around. He was Jesus' son. They didn't realize what Jesus was talking about. It's good for me to go because something far greater is going to replace me. So I'm not going to be a flesh and, flesh and blood person in this one area. I'm going to be everywhere. And you can't stop that. It's hard for us to see in towards the future because it's comfortable in the past. But if we allow our past to shape us towards who God is calling us to be, that is when we are living out the calling of Christ. It's important not to forget, obviously, where we came from. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the faith you had as a child was invalid. I'm not saying the faith that your grandparents bestowed upon you is invalid. No. But it's all a piece of the puzzle that leads you to where you're going. Not where you stay forever. Continue to grow. Continue to ask questions. And see, maybe I might be wrong about this. 
because that's where Christ can continue to work on you. So where is Christ leading you? I don't know. Where is Christ leading this church? I don't know. But I think if we recognize we aren't there yet and we reciprocate God's love into the world and we don't live in the past but look towards the future, God's going to bless this church. And this is, uh, I just want to read this, and we're, we're about done. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Straining toward, straining forward. Realize we aren't there yet. Reciprocate Jesus' love into the world and allow your past to shape you and not define you. I think that's three ways we can take Philippians 3 and recognize how we can partner in the gospel together. But there's one last thing I kind of want to add here. I don't want this image, because when I read this image, I think about us actually running a race. You know, Paul uses this kind of terminology sometimes. And I don't want you to imagine that Jesus is at the finish line with a stopwatch. Okay? Because, yes, we might be straining forward towards something, but we don't have Coach Jesus at the stop, with a stopwatch at the end saying, you've got to run faster, man. You don't, have enough, you don't have what it takes. I imagine Christ straining towards what is ahead with us. And that's the image I want to leave you with this morning, that not only are you not alone with your brothers and sisters, but you have Christ who is straining towards the goal with you, continuing to bear your burdens and to be that support that you need to continue to realize what he has in store for you in the church in the future. That is how I believe we can continue to partner in the gospel together this morning. We are not there yet, but we strain towards what Christ is calling us to. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for these words that we can recognize that it's okay that we don't have it figured out just yet. We recognize that your love is so amazing and so awe-inspiring that we can never measure up to it. But that's okay because you aren't just standing there saying it's not good enough, it's not good enough. You are standing there running beside us because that's how you love. Shoulder to shoulder, arms length so that we can continue to strive towards the goal that you have set, you have set before us. Continue to bless this church. Help us to see what you are calling us to do in our community and the lives of the people in this church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs, whether they be physical or spiritual, I want you to know that we are together. We're not there yet, but that doesn't mean we're trying to continue to strive towards a goal. If you have any needs, won't you come while we stand and we sing?